0: The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Are people who are convinced by their religion that past lives aren't possible rendered unable to remember past lives under hypnosis? Or do they never experience reincarnation in the first place? Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Today's guest on the show is part two of our interview with Kienda B. True-Valbrocht, who experienced a near-death event at birth and has had an intimate relationship with the other side ever since. If you missed part one of the interview, I'd suggest you listen to it on our website at nderadio.org. Kienda is a clinical hypnotherapist and the author of the book, Lucid Death, Conscious Journeys Beyond the Threshold, which examines past life memories through the context of various religions. Kanda, welcome back to NDE Radio.
1: Thank you, Lee. Thank you.
0: Good to have you back. Kanda, one of the things we never covered in last week's interview was the topic central to your book, namely, uh, Hypnotic Regression to Past Lives. So please tell us about that aspect of your work and, and what you've learned from it.
1: Yes, uh, thank you. Yeah, we, we did get sort of far afield in many different ways, but to understand um, death, it, it takes a little bit of understanding what life is and how it's all created. So, um, and how, well, not it, but the human being is created in terms of the physical part of us, the astral, I mean, the etheric part, the energy life force part of us, the astral part, which is our emotional part, and the consciousness that can say I and be aware of all these various facets of ourselves and of the outer world around us. So, as we have those different aspects and we are born physically and then these various aspects grow and develop and mature in the seven-year stages, when we come to death and we, in a sense, have... um, If life has been long and we've matured, we go through the ripeness of age, and then in a certain way we return as children again. We go back. Uh, Many people have referred to old age as the second childhood. And in a way, then, we are born back into the spiritual world at death. The physical body is laid aside and the etheric and the astral and the ego-eyed or the consciousness now journey out into the realms and the dimensions and the vibrational um, areas of their original being. And the first to be dissolved and resolved is the etheric body. As, we, as I mentioned last time, it goes into levity, which means that it expands out into the etheric body of the earth. And then, as that is finished, within three days, if one has lived to be a ripe old age, um, it is now resolved, the etheric body is resolved, and now the astral body and the ego-eye continue to expand outward, for we are indeed cosmic beings who have precipitated and come down to Earth, and in the spiritual realms beyond death, we return to those homes, in a sense. So the astral body, the emotional body, is the body of feelings, and it's also the body of the stars. That's what astral means. So then there's an astral resolution, which takes approximately a third of the lifetime, in which it's called, in the Hindu um, uh, traditions, it's called the Loka which is the resolution of all the desires and the feelings and the emotions that we had on earth. And at that time, we live, we replay our life backwards, but we replay it not from what we did, but how it felt to receive what we did in life. So if in life we've been kind and gentle and our touch has brought pleasure and joy, um, that's what we receive. If, on the other hand, we've been harsh and brusque and unkind, we will receive what we gave, what it felt like for others to receive our actions and our interaction. That way, heaven and hell is not an arbitrary thing. It is actually returned to us at our own hand. And when so that do... period... Mm-hmm. Yes? <clears>
0: hmm. <throat> So do we, um, at that point of a life review, uh, create our own heaven or hell? Are we uh, moved to, um, to punish ourselves or reward ourselves for what we've done?
1: No, it isn't even a matter of reward or punishment. What it is, it's a simple matter of the karmic response. What we did in life, we now receive in death. So it's not a punishment. But it is the simple, logical, sequential response of what other people felt as we, you know, either, if, as I say, related kindly, uh, if our touch brought joy and happiness, if we, you know, um, did those things, or if, on the other hand, we were, we were brusque and hurt people and didn't care, um, not only physically, but like emotionally, if we spew out things in anger, we then, in death, as the replay, as the life review goes on, we now felt, we feel what it felt like to have that anger spewed upon death. And so, it's not punishment or reward. It is logical consequence of only what we have done. It is only commensurate to what we have done in life.
0: I'm wondering, is it balanced out at that point? Is it balanced out... After we have died and proceed into our next life, or is our next life reflective of a built up karma that we've uh, gained from the previous life?
1: It, it is that because now this in this period which we are which would be um, kamoka, um, and it takes and we do this uh, long life review. It's not just the brief briefest flash which happens at the etheric resolution but now it's the actual resolution and it takes a a good long time, a third of the life that we have lived. Um, We we learn many things. We learn, oh, I certainly don't want to do that very much next time or, oh, that was beautiful, how good that felt. I would love more of that. I would love to give. I would love to receive more of those things. And so we... um, we be, we begin to make new resolutions for our next lifetime, and after that period of time, when that aspect of the emotional aspect has been resolved and the, the real personal aspect has been perceived by ourselves and decisions possibly made about what we would do better, and not so much of next time, we then continue to move outward. And now we move out into what is called, again in, in Hindu parlance, would be Devachan, which is the heavenly world. The, and there are, if one remembers, um, say, Dante's Paradiso, there were 12 layers in in his uh, perception of the spiritual world. In, um, in this case, there are many, many, but they're divided into lower and upper. So in the lower Devachan, in a sense, our souls, are now expanding out into the cosmos. And so we go through the planetary spheres. And as we go through the planet, basically now what we leave is the distilled wisdom and the distilled difficulties or challenges that we were not able to overcome in the past life. And so as we pass through the life in Venus, we leave... You know, the quality of our love, we leave. And in the hypnotherapy sessions, as people travel through these various spheres, they were expressed as metaphors, such as in the Venus sphere, one person was in warm pink baths and people felt relaxed and there was a great deal of, uh, it was just like being enveloped in warm, loving, loving, um, experiences. Seen as a bath. And the person then saw that there were other baths and other people were in different warmth. And not too far away, there was a bath in which the people were cold and uncomfortable and they were grumpy and they were <clears throat> angry with one another and they did not enjoy it at all. And they just wanted to go back to Earth. They didn't want to be there. They. Mm. And so some of the people came from the warm bath over to the others and said, well, come and join us, this room for you. But when they came and they put their finger in, the water was scalding hot and they could not bear that. And so this, again, was just a metaphor or an image of what the quality of love had been in the different people's lives and how it um, how it visually and um, and kinesthetically uh, manifested as as a perception in that spiritual realm. Mm. So then now, they move, yeah, then moving out... Well, I was through, going... Uh, mm-hmm, yeah. go,
0: ahead. go ahead. I was just
1: going to say, so moving out through the planet, you leave the quality, <laughs> like in Mars, you would leave either your courage or your cowardice, and out through, into basically the heart of God in which we are truly all one in that beautiful place where actually the individuality is just to the tiniest spark of the God divine self. And that then is embraced in the heart of God. And that that would be that would be like the ultimate heaven. That would be the ultimate oneness. And then at a certain point we hear our name called or we hear our soul ourselves being called back into incarnation by those who have gone before who are part of our cosmic um, grouping, as it were. And as we come back then from that heart of the center of the galaxy or the heart of God, we come back through, and as we come to the planet, this time now we have been gifted. um, What we have done well, we are now gifted with those innate abilities like some people have a musical ear and can actually um, play instruments with great ease and facility. Others simply do not have that as a gift. Um, they have other things. And so as we come back, we basically almost collect from the, from the planetary spheres, as we're coming closer to Earth, our gifts and abilities, and also the challenges that have been created in the next lifetime that we can now overcome and and win this challenge as a gift. And so in a way, astrology itself is not simply an old um, superstition that somebody made up in some past age. It actually, in the ancient times, they could see the divine beings who were there. And they could see the nature of what the qualities that they um, furthered in, in our lives. Therefore, actually when you do come down through the planetary spheres and then we wait in the Kamaloka area again, connecting with all our family and our friends, making deals and agreeing, okay, I'll help you with this one in this next lifetime. If the one after that you give me a little extra and We'll do this and, um, we, so we bring our karma with us as the gifts that we have now, innate gifts in our abilities and as the challenges that we will, we will face. And so actually it can be charted in the astrological chart. If there are trines and sextiles, those are gifts which we come. Those are positive things we bring. If there are squares and oppositions, that those are the challenges that we need to face in this lifetime in order to mature, bring back um, the transformation into a positive attitude, a positive action, and a positive aspect.
0: Okay, now, here's, yeah. here, here is my question. <laughs> okay. Uh, we, when we are born, we do not nat- naturally remember the experiences and the lessons that we learned in our past life. In other words, we're supposed, supposedly starting out with our karma, but our, no understanding of our karma or no intrinsic, at least a memory knowledge of our karma. But on yeah. the other hand, when you take someone back through uh, hypnotherapy, we can recall parts of our karma. Now, why is it hidden but available to us through this, this other technique that most people never, never go through? and how are we supposed to uh, progress if we don't um, if we don't have a memory of of where we've been before
1: if we don't have the memory of where we've been before life itself is now the initiating principle life itself will bring us those experiences that will perhaps not resuscitate the memory through like a deja vu although many people have those these kind of little echoes of something that you can't place in this life, but an echo of something deep within you called déjà vu, pretty simply. And what that is, is that is a memory that that the subconscious content of this particular experience is being, um, this is what is being called up to be worked upon now. So, although we don't have the memory, because we actually... We will have the memories in time. The, the concept lucid death is that we, we could, we can remember. We just don't at this time. But that, that this is a actual faculty that each human being will be developing over time. It's like an expansion of memory. It's like an expansion of consciousness. And, um, if we don't remember, Life will bring similar situations in which we will be faced with the challenge to overcome the difficulty itself. And then then
0: why, why, why is it made so difficult for us to remember? If we don't, if we don't remember, we're stuck in the same place. And, and yet it takes, well, someone like you who can regress someone through hypnosis for, uh, for many people even to know that they had a past life, let alone experiences that are, are now impinging on this
1: life? Yes yes that's true and part of it is because um, because of the whole flow of evolution in the ancient ancient past humanity could see into the spiritual world death was just the bigger the older brother of sleep it, sleep and death were very similar in that memories went through so that actually it's, it's considered that say Methuselah, might have been a series of incarnations of the Entelechy or the uh, the individual ego eye who still remembered a series of these as sleeping and waking. Um, so, and and those uh, in the ancient past, they uh, could see the ancestors and. They would feed them at the places and know that they were receiving nourishment from the love that they uh, brought along with the food that they left for the ancient, for the elders and those that had gone before. But as we began to um, delve deeper into materialism, as our bodies became more dense and as the earth itself became more dense and not as mobile as say it was in the ancient times, the earth herself has gone through a densification and human beings are doing the same. Um, we were not as large as we are. We were, are not as dense. There were not as were certain illnesses and things that we have now that are the result of becoming ever more densely material, um, physical. The, the connection to the spiritual world was, became much more tenuous and much more difficult to access because we now were moving into logical, sequential thinking so that we could penetrate consciously into matter, as we have with our science. Now, since actually, the cosmically speaking, it would be the turning point of time, which was a couple of thousand years ago, there was... Now, we must rise consciously into those spiritual worlds that we... Unconsciously precipitated out of. Now we have reached that lowest point. It is necessary for each human being to consciously rise into the spiritual world. Only so you're that say- way. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> you're saying basically that uh, karmically we are deteriorating. We're not making headway, uh, spiritual headway. We're getting engrossed in the in the material and losing ground rather than gaining it
1: exactly that is that is actually what is happening there are certain aspects of us that are 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 in a sense um, hardening and and devolving but consciously we are evolving and now we must consciously be responsible for our own evolution and and this is why I do believe that we all will become conscious of past lives so that we can actually clear the residues so that we can go forward into the true potential that the human is. Again, I will take it from the esoteric Western point of view, which is, which would be um, the Bible itself. But when Christ said, What I have done, and you shall do also, and more than this, we ne- we really, it is incumbent upon us to understand what did Christ do. And um, one of the things that Christ did that is actually not been understood appropriately by most, and there's even a phrase in the creeds of most um, churches, and this verse, this little phrase in the creeds are actually being dropped, but it is the crucial uh, verse, and that is, Christ was crucified, Dead and buried, he descended into hell. The third day, he rose again from the dead. The descended into hell is actually being uh, taken out of some of the creeds, but that was the important deed that Christ did, because what he did is he changed the pattern of the afterlife. This is, this would be another, a little too long to go into, but actually it's the cosmic reality of what the results of death were and how they needed, uh, as I said last time, it was a gift from God and Christ and the good angels that we should be able to reincarnate so that we can actually, over a period of time, uh, be out of the effects of the fall, because the effects of the fall only function on Earth. The um, the uh, the beings, the Luciferic beings, cannot go through death. They cannot enter the spiritual world. So when humanity dies, our our higher members are free of the of the influence of the Lucifer and the fall, and free to learn the lessons of the life in the spiritual world. But when we come back we bring we we connect with that spiritual being that our Luciferic Luciferic imp as it were and our angel, our guardian angel, when we reincarnate. And so we go back and we die again so that we can now learn the lessons of that lifetime and we can make it our spiritual gift, our spiritual heritage, our spiritual entity. As we do that over and over mm-hmm.
0: I was going to say, perhaps one of the things that uh, Christ did for us as well is to free us from our karma so that we would not have to uh, necessarily reincarnate.
1: That not necessarily. What he did is, and it, it's been, it was uh, prophesied in the Old Testament as well, that... Um, there will come a lamb, the lamb of God, and I think who, uh, who was it who said, behold the lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. Yes. The sins of the world are not our personal karma. That's our responsibility. The sins of the world is the collateral damage which ripples out from our individual acts. And this is what has happened to death, and this is why the deed of Christ at the mystery of Golgotha, that was actually one of the key aspects. So, back in the ancient times, where karma was fresh, and uh, say, I will kill you in one lifetime, next lifetime you can kill me, okay, we've balanced out our personal karma. How, however, could I atone for the for the karma and the loss of, say, your wife and your children, your village, all the gifts you might have brought in that lifetime? How do I atone and make up for that? When in each lifetime, every human act has this ripple out effect, farther and farther out into the world. Those ripple-out effects, that collateral damage, those are the sins of the world. So when it is Christ as the lamb, the sacrificial lamb who would take away the sins of the world, he actually, at that point, atoned for the karma of of that, the ripple-out effects. We are still responsible for our individual acts.
0: How can you remove the ripple effect if you don't remove the initial action as well seems to me that it would it would when when he took away the sins of the world he took it right back to the individuals who initiated the sins of the world
1: I'm not sure that he did actually um, I believe that what uh, and what I have perceived is that uh, well first we have to understand a little bit what had happened to death because of this uh, ripple out effect the karmic uh consequences uh, that rippled beyond the individual act, Um, Mm. they, they actually became very, very rigid in life, in death, actually, so that at the time of the Greek, when a person died, very often the web of their interlacing sins of the world that they were involved in were so dense that the soul could not reincarnate again, or with grave difficulties and with incredible um, illnesses and problems and possessions and all that, the things that Christ and, well, Jesus actually came into. Mm. So, so it had become basically gridlock in hell. The story was, you died, you wander in the land of the Shades, along the River Styx, and that was the end of the story, which could not be the end human evolution. Therefore, it was always known that although there had been an intervention of a lower nature in the beginning, there would be an intervention of a higher nature in order to overcome the um, the effects of that, of that first intervention. And that was then the coming of Jesus and the coming of the Christ consciousness into Jesus at the Jordan, at the baptism by John in the Jordan and the three years in which the higher divine being of a curiosity, the solar regent, um, the Son of God and the Son of Man, um, incarnated for three years. And then as he went through the process of death, he actually changed the, the whole after-death experience. And this is where my book comes in, because as I did past life, death, and reincarnation rebirth um, uh, sessions hypnotherapy sessions with hundreds of people and many many of them I did over I, I spread my whole time out it was like almost five years in the works that I actually did the process and went to India to do um, to do hypnotherapy with people with a translator for people who had not been influenced by the West yes. um, in order to <clears throat> um what happened was because they were past lives I went through people went through past lives in many many ages and it was very clear that not only was the pattern different because of the cultural differences but it actually was different in in a sense in a form as well and when it, yes
0: kienda Yes. I'm, I'm afraid, once again, we are out of time. Oh. <laughs> um, the, the, uh, the opening question that I had, which was, uh, can people be convinced by their religion that past lives aren't possible? We never really got an answer to that. Oh. But I think it's answered very well in your book. And uh, if you would tell people how they can get your book, uh, that would be a, a, a good thing.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, the book can be actually ordered on Amazon or you can order it um, specifically through Barnes & Noble. Um, and uh, you can also order it through iUniverse, the publisher. But, um, yes, and you can get more information on my website, which is www.tiendavolbrock.com. That's k i e n d a v a l b r a c h t and um, yes, and then if one were interested in that, um, one can read the book. And then I actually have a sequel, which is in manuscript form as well. Um,
0: I look forward to that. <laughs> um, I want to I want to thank you, Kanda, for for uh, for going into uh, in much greater detail um, the the results of your research and on the other side.
1: I'm so grateful for the experience, and I hope it is helpful to those who have heard.
0: I'm sure it will be. And if they, uh, the listeners should listen, um, if they'd like to listen to this show again, or to the first interview, or for that matter, any of our past shows, they should go to our website at nderadio.org. And uh, tune in next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening.